with another quick refresh. Nope, EA has not changed its profile pic on Twitter to a rainbow just yet, but it is a little early in the United States at the time of talking. It's not yet 9am internationally. The West Coast still has two and a half hours for 9am and the official start of business. I am going to jump on their back, which will be really easy because they've got no spine. <sighs> I'm looking at all the various company Twitter accounts. Ubisoft's not done it yet. I'm keeping yeah. an eye. <laughs> so I'm, I'm mostly keeping an eye on EA because as anyone who's watched the last Jimquisition will know, Electronic Arts has gone on record explicitly stating it doesn't plan to speak up for trans rights. So when it inevitably uses Pride, uh, Pride Month, which at the time of talking uh, that has started today. So the moment Electronic Arts uses Pride Month to big itself up, put itself over and pat itself on the fucking back i am gonna be on them like a fly on shit yeah we we have we have a story about that later today um oh that's a whole thing and they're gonna do it because every yeah. company does it like none of them have done it yet but i i feel like we're about two hours before the mass flooding happens yeah i'm taking no fucking prisoners this year like i'm, I'm just in general um the last Inquisition I did was the best one I've done in a long time, if if I do say so myself, which I do because I just did. Uh, I'm so done. Like, the utter cowardice that we've spoke about on not just the Inquisition, but on this very show in uh, the past several weeks, you know, starting with that spineless, spineless little wormling Jim Ryan at Sony <sighs> going on to like all of the companies that have just kept their fucking mouths shut about the overturn of Roe v. Wade, about the constant threat to LGBTQ plus rights, about the constant threat to human rights in general. I mean, the UK wants to back out of an agreement on literal human rights at the moment. And of course, the, the multiple, the hundred plus anti-trans bills that have been introduced in the US, they've all kept their fucking mouths shut except for a small handful. And companies like EA have explicitly said they don't plan to speak up for their own employees and their own customers. I will note this, and we've got a story about this later today. I'm not going to give them credit for this, but EA is not the worst in this regard necessarily. They're, they're maybe still beaten out by Sony only in one regard, which is Sony forbid any of its like subsidiaries from speaking, whereas EA as a company won't say anything, but they at least haven't banned individuals from saying things in capacities within the company, which is like, that is that is less than the lowest bar, but Sony is still doing worse. <laughs> this goes back to what I said last week, where Sony has gone above and beyond the call of bullshit to go... It's gone out of its way to make sure that not just itself, but employees under its umbrella don't say anything official about the threat to human rights and reproductive rights. It's not even that EA's done anything good. It's just that Sony's gone even above and beyond EA levels of bad on this one. Yeah, like EA is basically uh, protected under the Democrat clause of it could be worse. We're not them. But otherwise, they're a bunch of shit flingers like everyone else. Yeah. But it's okay. It's okay. Because EA has healing circles, so I'm sure that will bring um, all the dead kids back to life that have been killed in mass shootings and by cops. I'm sure that'll be okay, because EA has gone on record as saying it doesn't even want to talk about that either. Probably a little hard, if they do speak up about mass shootings, to continue working with gun manufacturers to have their weapons plugged and put over in their games. Might be a little bit difficult. I might have come into this episode hot today. Just a little bit, mate, mayhaps. I might have walked into Podquisition a little <laughs> bit hot today. I've been, I have been heated all week. I am so done. Look, you are right to have been heated all week. I've, I've had a pretty heated week with regards to politics in the world. But I'm not going to lie, I did have my mood softened by getting to watch a trailer for Pokemon just before we started, and there was a little pig called LeChonk. There's a sad pig! <laughs> There's a sad pig called LeChonk! And I don't know why that brings me joy, L little chunk. LeChonk's revenge! I would do many things to protect this very sad little pig. It's a very sad pig, it's crying. 
I, I, I hope that you can make it evolve and then it stops crying and it's happy. You, you, you protect it and make it happy and it, it ha- maybe do a happiness evolve and it's a happy pick. Now. I want to know LeChonk's opinion on the threat to Roe v. Wade. Um, LeChonk uh, refused to issue an official statement on Coward. Roe v. Wade. <laughs> Coward! Mm-hmm. LeChonk! <laughs> Cowardly pig! No wonder it's crying. <laughs> you cowardly pig. Oh, God. God, so, everyone. Who's played some video games this week? Who's who's done some of them? Hang on. Okay, now we can go. Sorry, I was just waiting for uh, six minutes to pass. That's the minimum before we work. Six minutes of playtime, and then it's work. Yeah, that's in my, uh, that's in my union contract, is that Ex- uh, yeah. we get a minimum of six minutes of bullshit before we have to do any work. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad we have those regulations in place, because otherwise, who knows how quickly we'd, you know... We fought hard for it, because management yeah. kept fighting us on this. Management kept employing union-busting tactics, kept saying, oh, you can't have a union... Because you, the the decision to run Podquisition can't be made by a small handful of three people. <laughs> oh. Look, as much as I personally, you know, I'm usually the one here trying to get everything on track in a timely manner. I respect the choices of the union and the union votes, and I will I will respect union decisions because you don't be a scab. Don't be a scab. Don't be a scab. Don't cross the picket line. Don't cross the picket line. Don't be a lechonk. Steph, what have you played this week? Whoa. I think you've played uh, the most things. I've played three things. Yeah, I think me and Conrad have played two things each, mm-hmm. so do you want to start? Oh yeah, yeah, I will, I will. Um, I'll talk about... Let's start with Core Keeper. Core Keeper is a game I've been playing. What's, what's that? Core Keeper is another one of those games like Terraria. It's pretty good. It's in early access at the moment. It's great on deck. So I downloaded it because I was... Radan is tra- trending on Twitter. Interesting. Um, it's great on deck. So I downloaded it because it was in that section and I am trying to justify the amount of money I spent on a Steam Deck. Difficult. It's a difficult job. But Core Keeper's pretty good. So it is a essentially mining game. It's got your mining. It's got your crafting. It's got your building. You start off in a little area, uh, you get lost, or I can't remember what the intro cutscene says, what am I, someone without ADHD? You start in a (laughs) small room, and then you bash a load of wood, so you've got some woods, then you can craft a pickaxe, and then you're away. In terms of level design, it reminds me of Dungeon Keeper. I'm not sure if it being called Core Keeper is a reference to that. It's not a strategy game, it's not really a, a, a management or building sim or anything like that. But it does feel visually like Dungeon Keeper. Um, A lot of the map is just blacked out where it's just solid dirt walls and you mine away, making your own little pathways dotted around uh, various rooms that you can stumble into that have all sorts of stuff in them, like new items or enemies and things. And the idea is just, you know, very similar to something like Terraria. Uh, You accrue materials you craft things and you make yourself a little base and make yourself a little sort of home in this underground world very straightforward stuff but i really like it it's so far it's not done anything really new but it's done it all well yeah you know uh it's got bodies of water and you can fish in there there's an extensive cooking thing where there's lots of different um plant life and fish and you can combine two of any item to get uh you know a dish that will uh temporarily raise stats that kind of thing um yeah it's pretty cool i don't know how how long i'll keep at it because i usually sort of burn out on these games but i'm usually into them for a fair bit because conrad you're you you uh have been big into terraria Oh yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm into yeah. a lot of this type, yeah. type of stuff. Yeah, I'd recommend you take a look. I'm I'm I've looked at the trailer as you were describing yeah. it, and it, it definitely does seem like my kind of bag. Um, yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of a, a building crafting element to it. Very exploration. Yeah, it looks neat. Uh, it, I could definitely lose some time to this. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm liking it. It's as I said, it's in early access, so I'm interested to see where they go from here. But it is one of those ones that works really well. Well, it's one of those games that are great on deck. It's the kind of thing that before the Steam Deck, I would have been like, I'm waiting for the Switch version. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In a, it's it's just like perfectly suited to a portable format. Uh, and that is Core Keeper, basically. Uh, very simple, very straightforward, but good at what it does. Well, and, and in early access since March. Okay. Yeah, it looks cool. I could I could play this. I've been um, – this is the kind of thing I've been seeking to lose myself in on some level. Maybe not this specifically because my I, – I mentioned last week. I, I really I, – I've been itching for automation. And uh, I, I got Satisfactory this week, which has been in early access for like six years or something. It's a mm. crazy long time. And it could be in early access for years more, who can say? But, oh, sweet, sweet, blessed Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God, the hold. It's it's so real. I, I've wanted a Factorio game, right? Yeah. Uh, but not Factorio, because the Factorio dev sucks. Yeah. Oh, is it that time to remind our listeners that the Factorio dev sucks? Yeah. Yeah sucks so they uh the the satisfactory i knew about i knew it existed and i i had resisted the urge to get it because it's a first person perspective game Mm. and with the complexity and layout and my sort of general personal problems and distaste for first person perspective in games it i didn't think i was going to enjoy it and Admittedly, the first-person stuff does take some adjusting to. The environment is vast and big, and you will need to do a lot of travel early on that feels tedious. And, okay, I'm getting over it. Um, I know that there are unlocks to come that will ameliorate some of those problems. I was very afraid, I should say, of verticality. Because I thought that that was going to be an element of this that I would just not be able to wrap my head around. And I am happy to say that is not a problem. For one thing, the game does an excellent job uh, in its building system to where when you're laying out conveyor belts and things like that, you don't necessarily have to be like all that close to level it'll do a wrap around that'll find its way and if it can make itself work from one en- exit point to an ent- to an entrance it'll do that um but you could also very deliberately lay out posts that increase height and stage things up so you can have cleaner uh faster conveyor lines that's really cool and then the conveyor elevators are um just like little sockets and they stick onto an out point or a conveyor, and then you can aim them up, and they'll go up as a, a very, very long way. And then you can choose their output direction in one of four directions, and then connect it up. And it just all flows so seamlessly. I have uh, yesterday on my stream, I turned on my uh, steel foundry for the first time. This is now I'm combining resources to produce new resource, and that's real satisfying, and I have built it so that it is ultra-efficient and compact, and it feels really, really good. When it's all turned on, it is constantly producing a perfect, uninterrupted stream of steel ingots and then crafting steel pipe and steel plate out of them with no waste. You know what's just hit me? What's that? I don't think I've ever seen a steel ingot in real life. I have crafted so many over the years in video games, but I don't think I've ever been near a real steel ingot. Get thee to a renaissance festival. I'm going to add that to my bucket list. Meet a real steel ingot. Sorry, this is one of those (laughs) thoughts that just hit me that I had to share with the class. Yeah, no. But if you like building crafting factory type games 
boy, there is so, so much. And it's very clear, like, that there is still a lot coming. First of all, there's no end state yet for uh, the, uh, Satisfactory. There's, there's not an end mm. um, as of now. Uh, there are also a bunch of items that I'm finding even in these early game areas that I'm in. And I am probably about not accounting for idle time that I've just let it sitting there. Um, I'm probably about 16 hours in <laughs> over the course of this past week. It's been a lot for me. But I'm finding items that the descriptions are saying work in progress has no function yet. Mm -hmm. Just laying around. So who knows where it's headed, but I really like what's there. It, I am perfectly satisfied to have spent 30 bucks at this point with this because sometimes these games, I never finish them anyway. I never reach that end point. And then sometimes when the game is really, really good, I'll reach that end point five or six times, but then find out that the developer is a real asshole and have that color any future experience I have with it and feel the need to go find something else. Hmm. Uh, but I think I found something else. Satisfactory is very That's good, so, um, and people should play it. Yeah. I reminded myself what the Factorio dev did. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Working with that sort of sexist, racist person, and then when called out on it, went, shove your cancel culture up your ass! That's the one. Oh. Just went on a little whine about the, the spectre of cancel culture. How, how dare you point out that I'm working with someone shitty? Yeah. Oh, dear. How dare. Uh, People actually say cancel culture, unironically. That they do. Like, I know we all know that, but sometimes I just have to remind myself that they those people are real. <laughs> yeah. I played a I played an interesting new game this week. I started playing Card Sharks, oh, which yeah. is a Devolver-published game about cheating at cards. So the general gist here is that you are a non-verbal mute character who gets wrapped up in being framed for a, for a death that happened, and you end up running away with this person whose entire way of making income is cheating at card games against fancy rich people and trying not to get caught. And he takes you under his wing, and you start learning how to fool people in 1800s France in games of cards using sleight of hand and various other tricks. That sounds really cute. It's really neat. So there's a certain degree of um, having to actually learn and memorize real-world card cheating tricks going on. Uh, you're sort of taught things slowly over time, and initially you'll just be practicing single individual tricks at a time. And some of them are ones where you will be assisting someone else at the table, so it might be things like pouring a glass of wine for people at the table to see what cards they have and then signalling to someone at the table what those cards are so they can win hands of cards. Uh, and for that kind of example, while you're filling up the wine glass, you'll be doing that with an analogue stick and maybe you want to be very gentle with your analogue stick push so you don't fill the wine glass up too much so you've got more time to look at the cards, but if you underfill or overfill the wine glass, uh, you will annoy the person who you're serving, they may get more suspicious of you, and a lot of the things you're then doing of, like, trying to signal what, you know, may maybe in this example, you're trying to signal which suit they have most of in their hand by wiping the table a certain way, you want to do that as quickly as possible, because the longer you spend doing that, the more suspicion grows, and you're trying to get as many successful hands of cards done as possible before you have to bail because they're getting too suspicious. Some of the tricks are more uh, solo based. Some of them will be you are at the table playing the hand of cards and it'll be things like um, learning how to do trick shuffles, learning how to do things like um, oh, a, a three card Monty um, that might be things like press certain buttons in the right timing to not accidentally slip up the movements you're doing. And while you'll generally start with trying to do these things reliably and quickly and push up the bet as much as you can without getting too suspicious, you eventually start having to combine multiples of things and you'll start getting challenges where it'll be like, okay, here are three options of ways you could try and fool the people at the table. Which one do you want to do? Which one do you feel comfortable doing? Do you feel comfortable doing that again? It might raise their suspicion, but if you're good at that trick, maybe it's worth it. 
Um, or do you rotate out what tricks you're doing to avoid raising suspicion that way? It's a really interesting, neat little game. The dialogue is very nicely written. Like, I've been very much enjoying these interactions with pretty varied kinds of, of people. Like, one of my favourite ones early on is... There's a couple of rich people who are well aware you are cheating, and they find it hilarious, and they're like, I can't work out what you're doing, you weird commoner. Keep 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 trying to fool me. I wish to I wish to see if I can if I can be unvexed. <laughs> like all the characters are all very charming. There is a degree of memorization involved, and it's I think the kind of game that I might struggle to play on days where I wasn't having my ADHD meds, because like I, I can talk you through an example of a card trick early on of like having to remember some things. If I'm doing a fake shuffle where I am having to deal a certain number of cards above the card I want to be at the top, and then I have to remember to like shuffle a card out to the side so that I know where to cut, and then I do my shuffle, like there are multiple steps and some of the tricks won't remind you what those steps are, but others, for example, will. Typically things like um anything like the example I had of um You've got to wipe the table in a certain way to suggest a certain suit. Yeah. If you start doing it, it will show what suit you're currently signalling, and you'll, like, get a progress bar, and you can go, no, that's not right, and try doing it the other way and go, oh yeah, that's the suit I'm trying to do. So, like, some of them will have reminders, particularly ones where you're, like, signalling a specific suit, but things where it's more like, you just have to remember to shuffle the, like, to get the signal card out before you shuffle, it it won't go out of its way to remind you. You have to remember to do the thing that is the trick here. But it introduces all these things to you slowly enough that it's not too overwhelming and there are easy to check reminders. You can pause the game at any point and go, yeah, what do I do for this again? It's very fun. It's very charming. I'm very curious where it's going and how I will feel about it once I have considerably more card tricks at my disposal because I'm maybe three, four hours in. I've got I've got quite a lot of stuff still to learn, but a lot of it is very much based in real real card cheating tricks and it's very charmingly presented. It's a real fun little game. Awesome. It's I, I had seen it. Yeah. And yeah, the concept's really fun sounding. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be able to play it myself. Like, you know, I don't have working ADHD meds. And the NHS took away the ones that were doing something. Yeah. But yeah. Card games I can never wrap my head around. I tried playing poker once, I just can't fucking do it. But I like I love the idea. Well, the th- the thing I I like about this in some regards, I yeah, I 100% get it. it's not going to be for everyone and for you it's probably not going to be right for you at the second, but like in no way are you actually playing the card games is the thing. Yeah. All you are doing is cheating. Like you are not responsible for any of the actual card like it skips over every part of it that is playing a card game and you are just doing the bit where you're cheating. I am good at chasing. Yeah. And I I do en- I do enjoy the weird induced panic of okay, someone slipped a spare deck into my pocket, I have to quickly make an excuse, run out to the back, shuffle through the deck, find those duplicates i got to pull out, get back out before I've been gone a suspicious amount of time. The tension's really good. It's, 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 it's a fun little game. That's good. I'm really excited to go back and play more after we finish recording today. Uh, what about you, Steph? You playing anything else this week? I have played other things, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know why I got this one. I was... Board and sometimes I don't have the Steam Deck because Phoenix is playing Planet Crafter on it. And when I say sometimes, <laughs> I mean most of the day when they have free time. Um, so I was like, oh, I had the Switch, and there's not much that's come out for the Switch. Uh, Mario Strikers, there was a demo for that, and the tutorial mercilessly kicked my ass, so I thought, right, I'm not going to get on with this one. Um, and then I just ended up on a whim buying uh, Pac-Man uh, Museum Plus. Oh, yeah. Normally my thinking on something like that is, fuck it, I could just emulate these shits. But I did like the selection of games, and it had Pac-Man Championship Edition on it, rather than just, like, super old games. Uh, although I guess these days something like Pac-Man Championship Edition would be considered super old and Pac-Man would be considered ancient. I mean, it's been more than a decade. Yeah. I was going to say, is that 10, 15 years? Jesus Long time. Christ. Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've just checked. It's 15 years. It was 2007. I don't want to think about me. that. No, no. I just, I'm just going to disagree <laughs> with you, Laura. 
I'm just going to disagree. Okay, with I'm, you. I'm incorrect. It came out in 2017. <laughs> there we are. That's a bit better. Um, yeah, I I have po- um I keep saying Pokemon because everyone's talking about it at the moment because of the sad pig. Um, Pac-Man. Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 was very different from 1. And 2 is the only one that's been available on the Switch. And I don't really like it very much. It's just, its structure is so much more different than Championship Edition 1, from what I recall. Mm. Um, So I like having that again. Um, It's got the classics, you know, it's got Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man, all that shit. I was struck by how many Pac-Man games I've not played. There are a lot of Pac-Man games. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, everyone knows Pac-Man and uh, some of the spin-offs there. Ms. Pac-Man, of course. Um, But, like, Pac-Land, a a, a frankly shit Mm side-scroller, and Pac-In-Time, a frankly shit side-scroller. Like, these ones I hadn't played. Um, So I'm playing those, and I'm like, these are kind of shit, really. There was a lot of time in which they really wanted to make Pac-Man their Mario, and it really just was not happening. Yeah, they they tried all sorts of games with him. There was that cartoon series where he inexplicably spoke like a cartoon mobster, from what I remember. Um, Well, I think, weren't the ghosts explicitly supposed to be like mob... I can't remember. Um, Weird fucking thing. All the games, the conceit of it is they're in a, a, an arcade, which you can customise. You can drop down the arcade cabinets wherever you want and unlock decorations. And as you accomplish things in the different games, like a new visitor will happen. It's just a little NPC that will just sort of hover around, like the ghosts will just turn up and hover about. There's really not much to it. But it's got Pac-Man Championship Edition on it, which I like. And it's got Pac-Man 256 on it, which I love. All my progress is on PlayStation, um, so replaying it from the beginning is a a little bit of a shame. Um, But having it on the Switch is cool. Pac-Man 256 is great. I don't know if either of you are familiar with that one. That's the one where you try to clear 256 stages quickly, right? No. Or is it the Battle Royale? You're being chased oh, by the yeah. kill screen that happens when you That's clear right. 256 yes. screens. So it's a kind of isometric yes. perspective and you're going through a maze uh, and you've got to keep moving forwards because behind you is all the glitched code following you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The map is lit, like the maze is littered with different ghosts and different colours with behaviour that corresponds to the colours. Like there are grey ones that are asleep and they'll wake up if you get near them. There are pink ones that will chase you in a straight line and move faster than you. So you've got to kind of take side routes to avoid them. Long lines of uh, ghosts, like lots of different ghost behaviours. Uh, and there are power-ups that you can unlock and upgrade like a laser that will shoot any ghosts going forward or um little my favorite one little tiny mini pac-man that will fly out of you and go and instantly chomp ghosts it's really good it's you know the first pac-man game it's what it is i'm kind of over that it's very simple it's the same thing over and over um pac-man has never really been a thing that like i've never been into pac-man yeah, but Pac-Man two five six, I really fucking like. I've played I played hours of Pokemon two, uh, Pokemon again, <laughs> hours of Pac-Man two five six. Um, so having it on there, having it on the Switch, that's neat. I like that. Other than that, it's just a load of fucking Pac-Man. My one thing is with it is I don't know what it qualifies as playing a game twice because some of the games have to be unlocked, and one of the some of the requirements is like play this game two times, uh, like. One of them is play pack in time twice. I don't know what it means because I don't know if you're supposed to die and start again or what, because I've played it and quit out and played it again. And it doesn't count as twice, even though I start, you start from the beginning again. So I don't know what it means. I don't know how you play something twice in the game. Huh. If playing it twice doesn't mean twice, what does twice mean? I mean, that does sound like it should be what twice means. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, it's just a load of Pac-Man, and it's it's just something to do while Fee has the Steam Deck to play Planet Crafter, which how's that going? <laughs> I actually think this is f- uh, free on uh, it's or it's on Game Pass right now, also. Is it? Oh, that's like sorry, Fee's telling me they're minding their business. Um, <laughs> they're just in the corner, just grinning, playing Planet Crafter, um, which yeah. is a game. 
I've not played it myself. It doesn't look like my thing, but it looks fun for those who are into that, like a first-person, sh- um, not shooter, first-person exploration game where you terraform a planet. Like, Jane has been playing it a lot on stream. Yeah, J- Jane's been playing it on stream. She's been re- she's played, she's got a personal playthrough and is playing it on stream. She's enjoying it a lot. Good, good. Yeah, Comrade, what else have you been playing this week? Uh, the only other thing I played, and I only played a little bit of it, is, um, Hard Space Shipbreaker. I, I can't remember if either of you have played this. This is the one where, okay, you are, <laughs> well, it, both of the games I've played have, uh, and I didn't mention this about Satisfactory, but boy, there's uh, some really fun, cynical capitalism in both of these games. Hmm. I've definitely not played this. I've just looked up images. It looks cool. Casey Explosion was real, real big into it for a while and, and had been playing it a lot. Yeah, I've seen her stream it a few times. Yeah, and it is, it's, you are a space salvage worker. You have a ship and you have a laser cutter and you float around the ship, breaking off pieces of it and sending them to designated bays for processing in order to work off the debt that got you to this job. Ah, this is this is uh, Elon Musk took you into space, but now you're indentured and got to work, work your freedom out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and ships get gradually more complex and introduce hazards, and so you have to pick the right things to break off. It's like a big 3D spatial puzzle. And I was hesitant to play this at first, again, first person, but also, like, navigating 3D space in that way with, you know, full vertical movement and drift, as you would experience in space. I found that mm-hmm. concerning. I thought it might be something that I would struggle with orientation a bit. It works really well. I got to hand it to them. The pitch and and roll function it's it's well implemented. There's an easy snap to uh, horizontal. I I'm pleased. I'm I'm happy. It it plays very very well. I don't know that I will ever play it again because I'm playing Satisfactory now. Um, and it I it's entirely possible that it will be gone from Game Pass before I ever get back around to playing Shipbreaker. But it's really cool. Uh, the laser. Cutting stuff is neat and the way it breaks apart elements. Um, I like the aspect of trying to pick apart this thing while using while, – while, like, having the least waste. It's like – it's like when you get um, a chicken, right, from the store, mm. you know, a raw chicken, and you roast that chicken for dinner one night. And then after dinner, you pick off all of the meat off of those bones and you put that into a bag. And then you take those bones and you put them into a pot with some vegetables and you make broth with those bones. Hmm. And then you take the meat that you cut off and you use the whole thing to make a good soup. Mm. Yeah. That's the experience of Shipbreaker. That sounds really satisfying. It really is. Um, it's quite, quite good. I, I would encourage people to check it out. It, it's neat. Yeah. I've been having a very digital card game focused week, mm. uh, this week. You know how a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about, like, playing retro games on emulators, I mentioned that I've been replaying the Pokemon trading card game RPG from the Game Boy, and really craving something like that. I found a free game on uh, on itch.io. Uh, Jane sent me a link. It seems really cool. It's called Pocket Crystal League, and it is a mix between Inscription and the Pokemon TCG. Oh, okay. So, in terms of mechanics, it borrows a lot from Inscription. It's not a roguelike. It is a, you know, much more like the, the Pokemon trading card RPG. You are working your way through gyms up to the Elite Four, doing a linear narrative, building your deck as you go, training up your Pokemon. But in every other regard, it's very, very similar to Inscription. You have two decks of cards you can pull from, one which is basic resources that will let you get more powerful things out onto the board, the other is the bulk of your damage-dealing creatures. You have five lanes, and you are attacking specifically only the things in front of your lanes, 
a lot of the power-ups that you can apply to cards uh, carry over from inscription, like modifiers, so that uh, rather than attacking just in front, it might attack to its left and right-facing forward spaces, things like that. But with a bunch of Pokémon mixed in, there is mechanics such as type advantage uh, and how that works in Pokémon. You can evolve your Pokémon, you can level them up. Instead of, like, Inscription has, like, a bunch of different ways that you can get your creatures out. You've got bones generated by creatures that are destroyed. You've got energy that goes up over time. This doesn't include all of those mechanics. Instead, it um, more closely follows the Pokemon TCG in that you basically have, you have berries, which are equivalent to energy cards. Different Pokemon you might want to put in your deck to summon them out require a certain colour of berry. Uh, to be used as, you know, currency to get them out. You can basically try and have, like, a pure single-colour deck if you want to just know that whenever you pull berries out, they'll always be the kind to get those Pokémon out. Or you can you can mix. I tend to find no more than two is generally a pretty good balance. They're not set, like, by type of Pokémon, so it's not like if you try and go with a single berry type, you can only use fire Pokémon or only use electric or something like that. There is a good mix of Pokemon available that will work for each berry type if you just want to specialize into one. But yeah, it's basically Inscription, but with Pokemon. It's certainly not one-for-one one Inscription. It's not trying to mechanically just be Inscription. It's not a roguelike. It's not trying to do any of the sort of um, wider horror narrative stuff going on there. But it's a really nice blending of Inscription's mechanics with the mechanics of the the typical Pokemon TCG, mm -hmm. and it works really well. It is a just a very enjoyable inscription inspired game that is completely free on on itch. Hmm. And if you're someone that likes Pokemon and inscription and goes, yeah, I I could I could go for that. Go check out Pocket Crystal League. All right. Yeah. Uh, Steph, have you played anything else? Yeah. Well, um. Because it's summer, do uh, I've been continuing playing Days Gone? Yeah, uh, I tried to stream it, actually, and Streamlabs took a massive shit. Oh no! Um, for some reason, this my entire stream, like the frame rate, would take uh, an unwatchable dive every time I unpaused the game. Uh, so I went back to Vampire Survivors for my stream. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still playing it. Uh, it's one of those games where it being on Steam Deck, it being portable, makes it so much more playable mm. uh, than when it was on a big TV demanding all my time and attention and not really being good enough to justify that time and attention. Mm. Uh, as a casual portable thing where I'm just like filling up time, uh, it works a lot better. Works a lot better. Yeah. Now that I've put an, un like, an obscene number of hours into it, the game is up to standard when it comes to the bike and like general playability, uh, you know, I can carry twice as many items as I could. You've earned it not being shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no longer like, it's still a fucking hassle. You are still constantly fixing the bike and filling the bike up, but at least the bike's quicker uh, and stuff like that. And to its credit, the, like a lot of people have like praised this story, like like it's an award-winning thing. Like the, the, I think I believe the thing's won like a BAFTA or something. It's not that good. It's <laughs> with a, a main character that fucking dull, uh, and a lot of very sort of overdone story beats. It does. It's not award-winning, but it does have some nice story arcs. Well, wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did it win awards? I think so. Let me, well then, let me it is award up. winning. <laughs> now we can we can debate. Oh, did I say it's not award winning? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. It's a triple A game that released. Someone gave, Someone it, an gave award. it an award. It will be <laughs> that's true. Someone will have given yeah. it an award. I may have been you wrong may not about have been the BAFTA, BAFTA, but someone. I may be wrong about the BAFTA. Uh, wait, does it? Is it? I, I I don't know. Well, considering the general standards of video game storytelling. <laughs> That could still stand out enough to deserve a BAFTA. <laughs> yeah. Days Gone Actor claims it's often too expensive to hire native voice actors. Cool. The lead actor in Days... Sorry, I've just seen this old headline. The lead actor in Days Gone has claimed that it's often too expensive for game studios to hire indigenous actors. Hmm. Yeah? Really? 
maybe shouldn't have the characters if they're not willing to pay for the authenticity of it. Hmm. So just another example of the game industry doing things it has no fucking business doing. That's interesting. Days Gone wasn't problematic enough with its pro-gun messaging. Uh, We cannot deny that it's an award-winning game. I checked Wikipedia. It won six awards of the 25 it was nominated for. Fucking hell. (laughs) But yeah, like, it's fine. The story has some good moments. It is very well acted. Might not be indigenously acted, apparently. But it is well acted. Some of the cutscenes are very, like, nicely done visually as well as orally. Like, the the facial animation is very good. Um, so it's got some nice sort of character development and stuff in it. It's just... I would say it's better than the average uh, so-called AAA open-world game. That doesn't make it good. But they did put a little extra in... Like, a little more into it than... I just can't get over how... Not just how dull the main character is, but how much more interesting the main character is almost. Mm. Um, I can't remember if I just mentioned it on stream or if I mentioned it here this uh, last week, but in cutscenes, Deacon St. John is very standard video game protagonist. Not much of a personality. The most you could say is maybe he's headstrong, but not too headstrong. In it for himself but maybe with a heart of gold. Like, just really fucking stock. But in the in gameplay, it sounds like he's always on the verge of, like, a psychological break. And he's so much more of an interesting character. The, the character in cutscenes is so, like, just plainly acted, uh, just really um, dull in terms of emotion. Uh, well, that's not true. Like when um, when a scene calls for emotion, the actor's very good, but the main character has not much in the way of charisma or needs. When he's not got an emotional scene, yeah. he's very plain. But in game, when you're like stealth killing guys and he's just muttering under his breath, just constantly, just you're fucking like that, yeah, you fucking one, I'm gonna fucking kill you all. Like this, this idea that he's this, you know, wanna be nice guy who's always on the verge of just being like worse than the people he's killing. Like, there's something in that. Maybe not something mega original. That's been explored in media. But I, lo- I actually really love the voice actors' mutterings. But it's just not present in cutscenes. And sometimes he comes across like he's like really insincere or like has a, a a different personality. Like there's one scene where he's been working with this scientist who's trying to find his like ex his wife who went missing. And it's suggested that she died. And the the uh, scientist is saying, I'm sorry, we, you know, did all we could, all that shit. And Deacon is angry, but then at the end of the cutscene he just sort of says, Hey, thank you. I mean it. I'm sincere. Like like thank you for helping me. Then it goes back to gameplay and he's like, oh, you're sorry, I you piece of shit. <laughs> like, more or less. Like, just. And this seems to happen frequently, where his attitude in game is really different from his attitude in cutscenes. It's so weird. It's wild. I, 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 I never see anyone else talking about it with this game, but it is so weird. But yeah, that's. It's Days Gone. It's. It's not a bad game at all. And the hordes are interesting. Like that was its big selling point, and I the the actual game doesn't make as big a deal of it as the trailers did, but when you have like dozens and I mean dozens upon dozens of these zombies coming after you, it is scary in a way that like World War Z is not because World War Z actually has way more zombies on screen than Days Gone, but they're not quite as intimidating. Mm. This roiling sea of zombies in an open world scenario, like it's it's a cool visual. It's a very cool visual. And fights, like when you gear up and dare to fight a horde, it is a cool fight. Like they're, they're very memorable fights. You're just constantly running and trying to lure them into traps and throwing Molotovs into them to thin them out. And that moment when there's just like a couple left and you're just hacking away at them with your like melee weapon, which is probably all you've got left. Like you really do feel like you've been in this mini war and th- that's really well done. It's just a shame that those moments are full of, of a lot of, dreariness a lot of just biking back and forth Mm. uh, with a bike that keeps breaking um yeah 
that's what I've got to say about that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, should we get on with a couple of bits of news? Let's do that. I reckon we can get away with that. Yeah. So we got uh, we got some some news on PlayStation's continued um, putting things out on PC that seems to have been a growing focus of theirs over time. Apparently, PlayStation expects nearly fifty percent of their game launches to be PC and mobile by twenty twenty five. That that is a thing. Basically, it seems like they're putting, particularly with PC, a lot of focus into wanting more and more of their stuff on PC. That's unsurprising. Yeah, but that also, at the same time, what do they mean by game launches, right? So, from what I can tell from digging into this stuff, there is nothing here to suggest that that is going to be like day and date releases of play- big PlayStation 5 games coming to PC. Yeah. Like, the best guess I have is that they're probably going to stick with and ramp up the current strategy, which is... Games that came out, let's say, in the last five years on console getting PC releases. Yeah. Which is sort of what we expected, but it sure seems like the strategy's been working well for them and they're really going to double down on that for a while. Well, they have they have an extensive back catalogue of things that they could draw on that, you know, this is an attainable goal. Yeah, and it's a thing that they, they can use to definitely go... Look at all these franchises that you're enjoying. Maybe buy a PlayStation so you can play the new one mm-hmm. that's out rather than waiting five years for yeah. it. And I think that that's probably a smart use of their their stuff. It's not a terrible strategy. Yeah, people who d- who don't mind waiting a while don't necessarily need to have a PlayStation. That is kind of a good idea. So yeah, it's good that that Sony's committed to putting PC games, um, <laughs> uh, PlayStation games on PC. Yeah, um, uh-huh. have uh-huh. they yeah. committed to? Uh, human rights at all mm. have they have they committed no, to no funnily enough yeah. funnily enough they haven't has has playstation boss jim ryan committed to not being a spineless bitch um apparently not interesting it seem so. i don't have it i don't have it on the docket yet interesting yeah okay you know what pc really stands for with sony political cowardice <laughs> right uh, you know what else we have on the docket this week that is that is uh, going to be known by people who've listened, watched the Jimquisition this week? Let's let's fucking quickly talk about the EA thing. So, um, yeah, EA said like the the headline that was going around was EA acknowledges lack of public statement over threat to U.S. abortion rights. Uh, this came after like reported reports were saying, hey, they're not going to say fucking anything about Roe v. Wade or trans stuff. EA's public statement is the most non-statement I've ever fucking heard. May I have the privilege of reading it? Oh yeah, go ahead. May I May I read what Chief People Officer Marla Singh said? Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, this is talking about, you know, mass shootings, Roe v. Wade, trans and gay rights. The thing about the world today is there is a lot of division. We know this, right? We see it every single day. But the thing that unites us is that we're all here to make amazing games and experiences for our players. And that is how we have the most positive impact on the world. These things are hard and they're personal and we all have our own perspectives and sometimes we won't speak. And that will be upsetting and I understand that. We really do. But we got fucking healing circles <laughs> yeah yeah go see fucking in a healing hell. circle if you're feeling stressed so this reminds me of what disney tried to pull when you know they were backing politicians that were pushing that don't say gay bill yeah uh, to basically you know just yeah section 28 um america um where they were saying well look we're not gonna speak up and we're not gonna stop supporting these politicians but what we're really doing for gay rights is making content we are producing works <laughs> that support gay people and so keep buying and spending money on us because it's the progressive thing to do and i mean my favorite part of that was all the pixar stuff turning around instantly and going hey they keep not letting us put gay people in shit yeah i mean that's the thing yeah disney kept (laughs) fucking like we we all know like the the burying that disney and other media companies have done uh trying to hide uh or, or tell animation studios and stuff that no you can't have this gay character or you've got to only imply yeah um i mean we just recently um the stranger things writers were talking about how they've not confirmed the sexuality of one of the main characters and saying well what's so beautiful about it is that it's up to the audience's interpretation it's like no 
No, queer baiting isn't beautiful. It's queer baiting. It's pathetic. It's cowardly. Yeah. Fucking stop it. It's wanting brownie points without actually doing the work. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, it's just J.K. Rowling again. Like, like just, oh, yeah, I'm never going to say it in my work, but I might hint outside of the work that, yeah, that one's gay. Yeah. Fucking hell. That one's gay. And, oh, oh there are so many annoying examples of that with Rowling. I think my favourite being the one where she later tried to say that Hermione was, br- was black <laughs> in the books and that definitely that was planned from the start. And then everyone responding with, here's all the times you've described her skin as things like porcelain. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, duh. No, don't pretend that you did that all along. Fuck off. She's a fucking Tory. She's many terrible things. Many terrible things. A Tory, a turf, a troll, and a twat. Uh, as as we alluded to earlier, at the very least, EA hasn't banned individuals within the company from speaking out on these issues, no. and there are a few people from uh, bits of EA who have had statements who specifically have been like, well, if parent company's not going to speak, I will. Yeah. Which is very good. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll read out the ones that we've got. Uh, Respawn boss Vince Zampella um, and The Sims executive Lindsay Pearson are the two that have uh, tweeted statements. I mean, The Sims, The Sims Studio, like, have to speak up given their audience. For sure, for sure. You mean, you mean hang on, isn't this former Call of Duty developer? I just want to make sure, you know, we're clear about who we're talking about here, Vincent. All yeah, right, just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Vince Zampella says, trans rights are human rights. It's as simple as that. Respawn has grown on the principles of diversity, equality, and inclusion and strives to uphold these values. Let's be better humans. It's a little bit patting on the back, but mm-hmm. I'll take it. And Lindsay Pearson's is, women rights are human, uh, human rights. Transgender rights are human rights. Maxis and the Sims value diversity, equality, and inclusion, and we strive to bring this to life through our teams and our work. Both of them can't help being, we do good, our games are good for that. They're putting themselves over, They're putting themselves at the forefront of those statements. They're they're a little bit, look at how good we are because we made the statement, but I'm glad they both said it. So, you know, that's, that's that. And the thing about EA is, yeah, from using, you know, the Democrat saving throw of it could be worse, at least we're not them. It also has to be said that when it comes to pride, like corporate pride, when it comes to corporations exploiting yeah. prides to put themselves over and say, you know, look how progressive we are. EA is one of the biggest offenders there. EA is one of the biggest. And I will say, you know, I'll admit that when it comes to actually being progressive, EA has had uh, instances in its history where it has done more for inclusion than other companies. But that's what makes its silence now all the more hurtful. Yeah. I don't mind the backpacking so much from the Sims developer person quoted there, because, like, yeah, you're actually doing... Like, literally a week ago, you did some good stuff in The Sims for with pronouns and stuff. You're kind of putting your money where your mouth is. Vince Sampella, I'm not convinced you've demonstrably done anything in your games that earns Respawn are very good at this. Yeah. Necessarily. They have one, they have an non-binary character in Apex Legends, which, well, I mean, it's a thousand times more than most games have in terms of non-binary representation. Yeah. It is another character in a mask. It is. Which just, it, it's it's one of my favourite non-binary tropes said the masked wrestler Stephanie Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like like I- I'll give them that. Like when it and yeah. they've got an envy, which most you know, almost every game doesn't. They have one. Off, off the top of my head I can think of three games that have non binary playable characters. Uh, Apex Legends, uh, Borderlands Three, and that really shitty car combat game that was a PlayStation exclusive. Oh yeah. Uh, that was last year or the year before. I can't even remember the fucking name. And that NB didn't have a mask, so I'm even more impressed. Um so yeah, it 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 is actually and I guess hurtful's the wrong uh, word to use because it's not like I really expect actual sincerity from a corporation. I don't expect any better. But it's it's extra insulting that Electronic Arts has gone on record. Ex- and this is the other thing. It's not like they've just buried their head in the sand. They've explicitly stated for the records that they don't plan to stand up for human rights. Yeah. And explicitly stating that they do not want to uh, stand by vocally their trans employees and their trans fans. For a company that 
prides itself on um, yeah. diversity and inclusion and, and being progressive, uh, I think it's beyond hypocritical, and and it, it's it's perhaps even more cowardly than Sony, uh, certainly more pretentious. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a couple of other stories quickly. Uh, Conrad, do you want to talk about Microsoft? I mean, th- no, I don't. No. no. Fact, we- there's, there is a uh, report from Business Insider yeah. that attempts to sort of really fully nail to rest the idea that Microsoft is a, uh, a changed culture um that is you know div- growing diversely and treating its minority employees with respect and dignity yeah it and now the activision blizzard acquisition is going on and people inside the company are horrified at this because oh god they're actually worse it's a long read yeah you can uh you can find it archived if it is behind a paywall but the long and short of it is if, if you really had any doubt at all as to whether or not microsoft was going to likely be capable of changing the company culture at activision blizzard that myth is dead yeah we can give the summary of like some of the the key points yeah. There are three main people who've been implicated in this report. Uh, Alex Kitman, Terry Myerson, and Tom Keane, who are all in executive roles. Kitman, who is currently in charge of Microsoft's attempts to make metaverse projects, uh, uh, reportedly watched inappropriate VR porn broadcast to an external screen in a room full of his colleagues, where young women in barely any clothes frolicked on a bed doing a sexy pillow fight while there was staff in the room it was probably pg-13 but still unbelievably inappropriate yeah for a business work environment (laughs) that's it's it's unclear how pornographic it actually was but there are people in the room who described it as vr porn so that's we have that to go on so yeah several staff members felt uncomfortable left the room numerous women said they felt very uncomfortable understandably yeah Continuing on Kipman, he's accused of fostering a culture that diminishes women's contributions. Yeah, he sounds like an absolute piece of shit, that one. Yeah. There's a description of an incident where he continually rubbed a female employee's shoulders, even after she deliberately uh, tried to get him to stop. Classy. Yep. Uh, Terry Myerson, who oversaw Windows, and Tom Keane, who is corporate vice president of their Azure cloud computing business, uh, were both called out. Myerson allegedly had a meltdown during a meeting where he verbally berated um, staff to the point that he had to be let go from the company. Keane was accused of making employees cry in public and described as running things like a dictatorship, um, being dubbed King Tom by staff. Yeah, Keane in particular apparently still oversees hundreds of employees within the company. Kind of shines a different light on the argument that was had when Microsoft acquired Activision that Microsoft's going to fix Activision. Yep, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's almost as if what we've been saying for years, that this entire fucking industry is rotten to the core and needs rooting out, is right. And that there are no fucking heroes here. Yeah, like for what it's worth, it is worth noting that none of these are Xbox-specific employees but also there's no reason to believe this doesn't happen everywhere within this industry including within the xbox like if it's happening within microsoft larger it's probably happening within xbox absolutely i'm not going to go on record as saying this definitely happens at every company but i will reiterate what i've been saying for years which is investigate every company every video game publisher every developer should be investigated because this is so common this Across the board, both big and small companies, yeah. every single one should be looked at independently. Yeah, but you know, and, and it's important to remember that culture, in a corporate sense, rolls downstream. The people at the top of these sorts of organizations they set the tone for everybody operating beneath them, and if the parent company is corrupt. 
any subsidiary is very likely to be corrupt just just through interaction. Yeah. And I I have no faith whatsoever um yeah that Microsoft keeping these people in these positions simply because they are talented and smart at the expense of employees it it they're going to continue to do that if these people present uh the promise of more money. Yeah. Um, so we've got two other very quick things to, to go through. Uh, we talked last week about the fact that Raven QA's staff had successfully voted for the union. Um, we do now have confirmation of the fact that, uh, according to Phil Spencer, once the merger with Activision Blizzard is completed, the company will recognise uh, Raven Software's uh, union. So that is something. They're not going to try and debunk the, like, you know, take down the union because, well, oh, it wasn't formed under us or anything. The statement that was given during a company meeting, once the deal closes, we would absolutely support employees or, uh, an employee's organisation that's in place. We think it's a right of employees and something that could be part of a relationship between a part company and people who work at the company. So they're at least being less, um, how dare you, we think that you forming a union is an affront to all the other workers. They're not, they're not having Activision Blizzard's, uh, how dare you have done this stance. I mean, legally, I don't know how much they, they, they would be able to do to not recognise it anyway, but they at least seem to be doing the we will be respectful of your union public-facingly, which is about the least we could ask. Summit. It, it's something. Yeah. And in a somewhat connected story, uh, Activision Blizzard shareholders urged not to re-elect board members following inexcusable passivity, which... Fucking, yeah, yeah, I agree with this. So an investment group has written an open letter to uh, Activision Blizzard's shareholders, basically saying don't re-elect six of their board members, including Bobby Kotick. Uh, I will read the, the uh, a little chunk from the open letter. Each of these directors failed either to recognise the Activision uh, that Activision Blizzard for years maintained unsafe workplaces, exhibiting frequent and repeated sexual harassment, sexual assault, and gender discrimination, or failed to appropriately address the company's frat house culture once it was publicly revealed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. These people should not still be in charge if they either didn't know what was going on or willfully ignored it once it was public. The group that wrote the open letter is a group that works with pension funds sponsored by uh, unions affiliated with the company. Basically, this is a company that like has pensions tied up in Activision Blizzard and does not want that company to tank because it's going to fuck up some people's pensions. So they have a vested interest in this, but it's nice to see some people, even if it's just for financial reasons, going, don't fucking let those shareholders stay here. No idea if anything will come of that. Probably not, but... Yeah. I don't know. It's... I'm tired of... Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm... Obviously we have to... It's important to keep speaking about it, but... It's tiring mm-hmm. activision is I'm, I'm sick of the sight of them that's what it comes down to when it comes yeah. to it, i'm sick of the fucking sight of the lot of them the sooner that i can not have to think about activision as an entity that exists the better mm-hmm. I, um, uh, it is it is tiring paying attention to corporate bullshit uh but i think that is everything for for this week i think that's all all of the the stuff right all of the stuff yeah that's all the stuff. Well, that's not going to satisfy our listeners. They need stuff. They need constant no. stuff. They need stuffing, Laura. Oh. And you're the woman to stuff them. No. Oh. <laughs> what kind of stuff oh. have you got on the table? <laughs> I mean, go go look at Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Wherever you go, search Laura K. Buzz, you'll probably find me. Me and my Dysphoria Monsters coming out in like two and a half months. It's on uh, 18th of August that's coming out. I'm featured in a book that just released uh, called Wired Differently, 30 Neurodivergent People You Should Know by Joe Wells. Go check that out if you want. It's a really, really neat little book. Just just, just go search Laura K. Buzz. You'll find all the things I do. What about you, Conrad? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can... Hang out with me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com, audiobooks at conradreads.com. Check out my sweet, sweet boy, Potato Wand. 
One-Eyed Potato on Instagram, and everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, shit. I tell you what, Conrad, you ain't wrong. Fuck. You ain't fucking wrong, me old mucker. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That's how you can support this, that, and the other. Uh, I also stream at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, almost always on a Monday and a Wednesday. Uh, and then bits in between when, 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 and, when and where I can. Wrestling dates coming up. Uh, we have uh, June 11th in Blackpool, Pride of the Ring, uh, the UK's first LGBTQ plus wrestling event. Uh, I am booked for tag team action. Uh, and I I think it's going to be announced by the time this podcast goes out. So I'm just going to risk it and say it. But on August 20th in Newcastle at the Jubilee Club, um, the very first show by Avant Garde Wrestling. Ooh will be in action uh the first show is called fine art less paint more pile drivers it is a show that aims to blend cinematic style wrestling um with a lot of pre-recorded um filmic uh footage and content with uh live in-ring action i am very excited about that uh and yes commander sterling will be there august 20th in newcastle but we're all going to be here next week for another one of these so until then thank you so much and we will see you when we see you which will be then they'll be on that when we do another one bye bye bye